everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 170 of the podcast that is on a journey through all of the early adventures of the Marvel Universe superheroes in the order that they were published. Uh, we began with the Fantastic Four number one in 1961, and we are heading through the final month of 1967. We're going to be in November 30th with Strange Tales 166, Thor 149, Tales of Suspense 99, and then we're going to flip over to the second week of release for December, December 12th, which is Fantastic Four 72 and Daredevil 37, which will get us very close to the end of the month, but not there yet. Oh, shucks. One more to go. One in a bit, because we're going to have an annual that's for another time. Oh. So anyways, uh, we have no preamble on this show. We just dive right into comics. So should I dive into a comics? Dive in or glide in. Or glide in, as Nick Fury is, uh, wants to do. Strange Tales 166, or as you might think it's called, Doctor Strange 166, because he has the cover and the lead spot, because we're still doing that thing with the anthology titles where the cover mm. story gets the first slot. Nothing can halt Voltorg except a, a giant Pokeball. <laughs> um, Seriously, y'all, Voltorg? I mean, really? He sounds uh, like a Pokemon. Yeah. To thwart Doctor Strange's rescue of Victoria Bentley. Also, you can't call her Victoria. She's Victoria Bentley. Yandroth scientist Supreme has unleashed his ultimate weapon, Voltorg. At my command, Voltorg, destroy the Earthling. Atomic electrodes to blast its victims. By the eternal Vashanti, only the most potent of spells can save me from Yandroth's deadly robot. It's a giant robot holding lightning sticks. Like those little sparklers that you get on the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. That's what he's holding. He's a drummer. He's, yeah, exactly. Stan Lee triggers off this triple threat, triple, triple threat thriller. Told by Jim Lawrence, drawn by George Tuska, plotted and inked by Dan Atkins, voice creations by Artie Simek. What? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Maybe the synthesized voice from Voltorg? I don't know. Oh, okay. So Voltorg is powered by atomic electronics, whatever those are. Uh, but they're super strong, so Doctor Strange realizes he's going to need his most potent spells, his pointiest fingers, as you were, his flashiest flashes of light. Um, so they fight. They fight for lots of pages. Doctor Strange and Voltorg fight uh, while Yandroth runs away. Strange makes uh, eventually a bunch of images of himself to distract the robot while he sneaks out the back door and runs after Yandroth. Um, Yandroth is heading for his time warp teleportation tubes. He just takes a jump to the left and then a step to the right. But he stops to grab Victoria Bentley. Um, Doctor Strange catches up to Yandroth and they face off briefly. But then Voltorg, evidently no longer fooled by the fake Doctor Stranges, catches up to Strange. And there's more zappy zap and fighty fight with those two. Science versus magic, as it were. Strange, Strange full on melts Zol- uh, Voltorg's eyes, and the robot just goes crazy and awry. Uh, he stumbles through a wall. He falls to pieces. Um, so Strange, you know, sets off and eventually catches up to Yandroth again. But Yandroth and Victoria Bentley are already in these tubes. Now, Strange 
turns off the time warp aspect of this, but there's still teleportation tubes. Um, and so, but they're about to go and strange sees the controls pointing to all these different planets. So there's no language of English. So he turns the dial to what looks like a picture of the earth. And, uh, then Yandroth and Victoria Bentley beam out. So strange gets in a tube and beams out after them. And he winds up in Stonehenge. Maybe it looks like it. And then, Hey, Hey, this is where the ancient one died. And why is the ancient one's floaty head hovering in the air? Could he still be alive? Next ish, the awesome answer. Did the ancient one have a giant beard before? No, there was no giant beard. (laughs) Okay. I thought not. Well, okay. He did have like a long, thin beard, but not like a full on Santa Claus beard. Yeah. Now he looks like Father Christmas. Right. How did they get the rights to Lex Luthor for this issue? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. This is definitely uh, Lex Luthor wearing a Professor X face. Yeah, basically. He's even got the green and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, they they like to do green with villains. I just read on Twitter that's because all the heroes are always blue and red, and green is like a good opposite for that or something. Yeah, I've heard primary colors for heroes, secondary colors for villains. Hmm. So your greens, your violets, and your oranges are for the villains. See, even the giant robot is purple. Mm-hmm. See? Um, we learn that uh, Voltorg's bolt move is super effective against magic type. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like, as I was reading this, like, does the Sorcerer Supreme really have to take so many pages to kill a robot? Like, that just seems like a really easy kill to me. That's what magic does. Magic supersedes a uh, uh, natural law. That's why Superman's weak against it, because... He's a science fiction character and magic isn't science fiction. So, you know, magic goes around his powers. And also it's a robot, so you don't have to care about its life. So like to me, it just seems like why can't he wiggle his finger and this thing turn into a crushed soup can or something? Um, So Victoria Bentley continues to be just the the MacGuffin (laughs) that we're after. She has no character anymore ever since that first issue or two. Uh, So this story starts with Lex Luthor keeping her prisoner and it ends with Lex Luthor still having her prisoner. So even carrying her off in his arms, like a cradle. Yeah. move. It's, yeah. So we've got nowhere. This is, I'm, we're going to keep count tonight. This is story one where we've made no progress. I do like how we're on maybe another world or maybe in another dimension, but there's an earth setting on the teleporter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this guy human? I guess we don't know his origin because he's never given it to us. Uh, he looks yeah. human. He looks human, but then aliens can look human. They totally can. He does have weird eyebrows, so it's possible he's from eyebrow land. I don't know. You know, speaking of Victoria, I, I recently watched the Doctor Strange movie, the new one, not the really old one, but the new one with my son. I kind of, uh-huh. whenever they introduce his uh, doctor friend in that, before they uh-huh. said her name on the screen, I kind of wanted her to be someone we knew, like maybe she, Victoria Bentley. And she's but not? I can't even not, remember what her name was. Christine Palmer. A.K.A. The Night Nurse. Oh, you know what's weird about The Night Nurse is I've never heard of her until I started playing this Marvel app where she was like really sought after character because she heals people. Uh Uh-huh. She heals your team, you know. And now all of a sudden I see Night Nurse everywhere. It's kind of funny how that works sometimes. What's a little bit weird because we already had a Night Nurse-ish character in the Netflix branch of the MCU. Oh, Um, yeah. What's her face? I want to say Rosario Dawson was yes. the actress. Yeah, absolutely right. Rosario Who's Dawson. Mimi mm-hmm. on rent. Um, 
but the world is definitely big enough for two lady doctors stitching up heroes. So I'm not complaining. It just a surprise. Um, and we never see we never see uh, uh, her again. By the way, that's another one of those like. I guess we haven't had a solo movie again, so maybe she'll be back. But yeah, I, I, honestly, I haven't looked to see if she's on the cast list for. I didn't either. Multiverse of Madness. So remember how last issue said in the next issue box, the ancient one lives. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, they really need to learn how to keep their cliffhanger reveals a surprise. Right. Because that had nothing to do with this story. It was the, it, it's not even confirmed at the end of this story. It's a tease for next issue. Is he really that, alive? Yeah. I don't know. It would have been a better caption for this one. Next mm-hmm. issue, the ancient one lives with the question mark or something. At the end of Amazing Fantasy 15, you can't say next issue, the clone saga. It just doesn't work that way. No. And you also, gotta, I don't know, do they really need that in order for people to buy the next issue? Like, is some kid out there in 1960, whatever, going, oh, the ancient one, I got to pick it up. I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, before we move on to the second story, I did a little bit of continuity searching. Because one question in my brain was, what about Clea? Remember Clea? Um, she's still in the void being safe or something, right? Yeah, exactly. So I went back, I read her last appearance because someone somewhere mentioned he abandoned saving her to go after Victoria Bentley. And I'm like, I don't think he abandoned her. But no. yeah, like you said, after Umar, mm-hmm. he got uh, the Ancient One sent Doctor Strange to a weird dimension to wake up Zom. Just before that, Doctor Strange rescued Clea from Umar. And in order to keep her super safe, the Ancient One used the spell of vanishment to send Clea to some unknown dimension that no one's ever returned from, a.k.a. he killed her. Mm-hmm. So she's safe or as good as dead or whichever. And then Strange has gotten caught up in a series of unfortunate events. Uh, Zahn, as, Living as Tribunal, thing. Evil yeah. Sorcerers, Nebulous. Yeah. He is the most unfortunate event character out of all of the characters we read. He really is. He's just, he's <laughs> nonstop unfortunate events. Yeah, not nonstop in the good Hamilton way. Just, no. just, no, nonstop. Okay, if death be my destiny. Yeah. Featuring the sensational hawk harness, high altitude wing kite, as if it's black on red, it's hard to read, as if we had to tell you frantic fun seekers. Remember last ish? The elusive yellow claw has slipped through S.H.I.E.L.D.'s massive manhunt in the sky. Now the dynamic director of S.H.I.E.L.D. makes a spectacular skydiving leap into the stratosphere on a million-to-one chance of boarding the escape craft in midair. And now action time. Um, The Hawk harness is basically a modern-day wingsuit. Mm-hmm. He, he's a flying squirrel. With a cigar. With a cigar, because that's a plot point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucky Shield's Sky Commanders were able to slow up the Yellow Claw with small arms firepower, and maybe I could still got a chance to catch a tiger by the tail. And if you think that Shield's ever-loving cast of characters is something else, wait till you read who put this masterpiece together. Editor Stan Lee, Marvel's P.T. Barnum. Artist writer Jim Steranko, Marvel's Bad Boy Peck. Inker Joe Sinnott, Marvel's Huck Finn. And letterer Sam Rosen, Marvel's Little Lord Fauntleroy. I do not recognize two of those people. I don't know what Bad Boy Peck is. But I, I don't know that. That's one of them. And who's a little Lord Fauntleroy? Uh, I have a mental image of like a, a foppish lord who's a bit of a hmm. dandy. Okay. That's all I. That's all I can say. That I don't really know beyond that. So Nick's got this flying squirrel get up on and a cigar in his hand. He glides down 
and grabs the yellow claw's plane as it soars out over the water. And then there's this big water spout shoots up out of the water. They fly right into it. But turns out that was intentional on the yellow claw's part because they are going down into the water because that's where the claw's hideout is. A couple of things over is the Decepticon base, but this one is the yellow claw base. Fury lets loose a die grenade in the water to mark where he went below the surface so S.H.I.E.L.D. can follow him. Pretty clever there. Meanwhile, the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier has that big floating weapon from the last issue or two. Um, the one that looked like a giant spider in the sky that everyone was so worried about. Well, yeah, they just got that in a tractor beam. Um, they capture all of the Claw's henchmen off of there. And so Fury, down in the ocean, he uses some sort of, like, torch, cutting torch or whatever, to cut his way into the Claw's base. He just happens to enter a water lock. Very convenient. So the base doesn't immediately start flooding. <laughs> Using technology from the gaffer, a.k.a. Q-Branch, uh, he is able to see through the walls around him and see the traps that are laid to catch him. But sometimes seeing the traps and avoiding the traps are two different things. We get a couple of really cool artistic pages uh, as Fury gets disoriented from fighting all the traps. We're going to talk about what's going on here in these pages in a little bit. Meanwhile, we switch scenes to New York's Lower East Side, where FBI agent Jimmy Woo finds himself trapped in a deadly hail of gunfire. But he seems to be doing okay. He's not getting shot by any of the bullets flying past him. Uh, he manages to disarm one guy. While he does that, some other guys get the drop on him from behind. So that when we change scene on the next page to the Yellow Claw and his niece, Suwan, she is aghast to see Jimmy Woo teleported in, all tied up, trussed up, and unconscious. He is all set to be killed by the Claw's thermo-frigid intensoray machine. If you didn't know, yeah, they're on that... sale at Kmart. Mm-hmm. Fury shows up, though, to attack the Yellow Claw in a big old full-page length um, you know, action pose from Jim Stranko. Uh, Swan runs over to help Jimmy Woo while uh, Fury and the Claw fight it out. And when the machine is activated and the blast goes to hit Woo, Swan is the one who catches the blast. Not Jimmy, who uh, wakes up Romeo and Juliet style to find his beloved frozen to death. So Jimmy Woo's mad and he mm -hmm. blames both the claw and Nick Fury for her death so that we get next ish climax of hate. Yeah, this one wasn't that bad. Like we've been, we've been dogging on this lately, but this one was pretty good. Yeah. I really liked this one. It had a direction. It didn't mm -hmm. feel pointless. Mm -hmm. Instead of getting just another forties movie serial chapter with a cliffhanger, we're actually getting some dramatic climax. Mm -hmm. And the art was pretty great. Uh, oh, Storenko pulled out the stops on this one. Yeah. Did you, um, were you reading Batman during the court of owls thing after, after new 52 started? I, I think I've read a little bit of the court of owls, like the first, Initial run, but hasn't it happened like 68 times or something? Yeah, because it becomes like a, a part of Gotham now, so they're a thing. But mm -hmm. um, I think during the first arc, Batman gets captured by the Court of Owls. Yes. And there's this one issue where he's like trying to make his way out. And mm -hmm. don't you have to like turn the comic on its side and then upside down to follow the action? 
I believe it was something freaky deaky like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of like that. Mm hmm. Um, Although I will cry foul on page six when the words are upside down and you're reading this on Marvel Unlimited on your phone <laughs> and you turn your phone upside down to try and read the words and then the picture automatically flips over so it's still upside down. It's like, dang it, Starenko, did you not know the technology was going to be this advanced someday? <laughs> now I have to just try and read it upside down. Well, did you notice that the panel continuity follows the maze? Hmm. You can run your finger through that maze, and it goes oh. from panel to panel. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're right. The um, As you work your way down the page towards the bottom right corner, you have to turn it on its side, and then it comes back up the other side of the page. You have to turn your comic upside down. Um, and then the next page is disorienting because it's like blades of a fan, and it's not entirely sure what order things are supposed to go in. Uh-huh. Um. And some of the images look like they could go both ways, like that stairs thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. Yeah, it was very cool. And more Jimmy Woo. Like, this is the most Jimmy Woo we've got, I think. He doesn't get to be a person very much, and he's how he's fighting his nemesis. Well, like, a lot of... There's, like, a bigger thing going on here. Like, I guess S.H.I.E.L.D. is done with their part in this. They've arrested everybody except the Yellow Claw. Right, all of his um, hydro So where's that was kind of abrupt to me, like because Dum Dum's just like smoking a cigar, going, "Well, we did our part. It's up to Nick now." And Nick's chasing after the main bad guy, but then we cut to like Jimmy Woo in a gunfight in what seems to be the heart of New York City or something, and it's like, "How? When did this? What is going on here? When did this happen?" Yeah, although we've established this, that Serenko is not the best at con- connecting the dots. Like, is this supposed to be related to the overall grand fight we were fighting earlier with the helicarriers and the giant spiders? Or is this a whole separate mission that Wu is on and they capture him? I guess it doesn't really matter what the answer is. But that was the one thing that was kind of jarring to me a little bit. Like, was I supposed to know what's going on here? I would have gone back and found out where Wu was. But yeah, since they were trying to attack New York, maybe that's just what he's doing. He's just down there trying to hold him off. But we never got – I don't remember there being much word of action on the ground. You no, know, last was, I heard, they just ditched him. There was stuff up in the sky because that's where the uh, weapons were. Mm-hmm. That's where Fury was. That's where the claw was. And they fly from the sky to the water. So what's going on in the streets? Nothing until just now. Yeah. Um, I thought it was well, interesting that Sawan would think uh-huh. that Jimmy Woo would be safe from all this. I also kind of forgot that they're in love. Like that was mm-hmm. established previously, wasn't it? But like, I guess it hasn't been played out that much because I sort of didn't think about it until and the end. You know, in theory, Claw and Suwon have had like a decade of animosity toward Jimmy Woo, but it hasn't been mentioned anywhere in the story since the very beginning until now, whenever Claw's like, yes, I finally captured him. And Suwon's like, oh, no, you've captured him. Um, Because this is definitely the Nick Fury show, but all of a sudden they're concerned with this other guy. He brought Woo in to get some information. He told Woo a story about him going after the Yellow Claw. And then he said, okay, see you later, Wu. So he didn't even get any information. And then he left behind the the one guy who knows everything there is to know about Yellow Claw to go mm-hmm. fight Yellow Claw. Left so it behind multiple weird. times. And then, like, so this is an interesting dynamic. We've got Yellow Claw. We've got, what is she, his niece or daughter or something? Niece. We've got her, his niece who is crazy loyal to him and at the same time hates everything he does. Right. And also is in love with his greatest enemy. And this is actually uh, the first time that Sawan has taken an open stand against mm-hmm. her uncle with Wu. Mm-hmm. 
in all of their previous adventures in the in the fifties series, um, every time she helped Wu, it was like clandestinely. Mm-hmm. Anytime the three of them were in the same scene, she was at the Claw's side helping against Jimmy. And as one note as Yellow Claw is, like he's just kind of villainous and stuff. But like I do think on the last page here, he is worried for her because he's like telling Nick, "I gotta stop her." I don't know if he wants to stop her because she's trying to free Wu or he's worried about her getting hurt. But Nick's like, no, I got to stop her. And they wrestle and then she gets hurt. And he actually looks kind of like shocked or horrified. He does say, I must stop her or she's going to meet death's angel. Yeah. So I guess he does actually want to save her life, which is a little bit weird because he doesn't really express that anywhere else. (laughs) Right. So maybe he's just too used to being the domineering overlord. That he just expects everything to go his way. Sometimes affections of uncles only come out after you're dead. So, you know, that's just how it is. Um, I like Jimmy's grief. I think he's overreacting, Mm -hmm. but I like that he's overreacting because that is Mm -hmm. something you do. Um, Feelings are feelings. They are feelings. Fury is just one man. And, you know, it's funny because they did both – Claw and Fury did both want to stop the machine and save her, but they were too busy fighting each other for the honor of doing that than to just actually do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why she died. So maybe he's, you know, justified in a way for being upset with them. So that gives us two more issues with two more Yandroths and two more Jimmy Woos. Really? What's What number are we on here? That was 166. So it just dies in 68? That's a it dumb number. It splits after 68. But, yeah, but why why 168? What does um, that mean? I just think it was the next month after the other splits. It's not like a 99 or a 100 or <laughs> 168. We, we, right. might, we might be coincidentally hitting Captain America 100. That might just happen to go along with their plans at that time. But, you know. Mm. Yeah. Or they might have had this exact same conversation and said, well, it's going to happen. Yeah, anyway. whatever. We just have to split these books. We hate these anthology books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, that speaking of art, that one uh, pinup on page ten—it's not a pinup, but like Nick Fury's body is like mm-hmm. pinned across all the other panels. That is a very famous picture. Yes, I feel like it's iconic. Stranko. That's Nick like on Fury a right lot there. of ads. So yeah. All right, should we go to Thor? <laughs> Get wrecked. Get wrecked. When falls a hero, the mighty Thor number one forty-nine. Um. What do we want to say? We want to say, with only his natural strength to serve him, Mighty Thor is driven back, 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 by the pounding power of the Wrecker. This time it is Thor who possesses no immortal power, whilst his deadliest enemy does. Produced by Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby, and if you didn't, as if you didn't know, embellished Vince Coletta, lettering Sam Rosen. Now, come on, every second counts. So, yeah, like, the conceit is that Thor is super strong, but all his other immortal powers are gone so that includes immortal endurance and healing and cool thunder powers and all that other stuff. So he's basically getting his butt kicked by Wrecker because Wrecker now has immortal godlike powers and he doesn't get tired. And he's telling Thor, who is exhausted, like, you, you're lame and your hammer doesn't even do anything anymore. It's just a hammer. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he throws his hammer with his Thor-like strength as hard as he can, and it hits Wrecker square in the chest, and it seemingly knocks him down. It does knock him down, but not out, because he gets right back up, and he just wails on Thor. And Thor is just down for the count. And all the while on Asgard, Balder and Sif are watching this in horror in the crystal ball, 
and they go to plead to uh, 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 what's his name? Odin. They go to plead to Odin, but as they leave the room, Loki pops up out of nowhere and he's like, I'm going to yank this crystal ball and steal it. So that way, if Odin does start feeling guilty or whatever, he can't check on his son. So zoink, it's gone. Um, the record just leaves Thor there because he's got no more use for this guy and he starts robbing banks and stuff and then Thor like recovers and starts to get back into the fray. Thor is very uh, Ben Grimm in this issue. He like just won't quit even though he is totally outmatched. Um, so to the point where Thor starts actually using tactics. So at one point uh, the wrecker thinks he's got him on a truck and he smashes the truck only to find that Thor is not there anymore because Thor jumped up on top of a tractor thingy. They're like in a junkyard or something. Um, so like, and he grabbed his crowbar and stole it. And he's like, well, that's not going to stop me. Um, Sif and Baldar plead with Odin. And sure enough, he goes to try and, or he's like, you don't have to worry about Thor. Nothing on earth can hurt Thor. So I'm not worried. And they're like, but wait, look at the crystal. <gasps> the crystal ball's gone. Where's the crystal ball? Um, and 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 Odin's like, I don't know. And Baldur's like, I think your son took it to the Norn Queen or something. Can I go? And he's like, I guess, if you want to die. So that's their new thing. Meanwhile, back at the uh, junkyard or the or the whatever, full of tractors and stuff, there um, 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 at one point the wrecker gets into, I don't know what these machines are called, like a pile driver tractor thing or something like that. And I just call them Constructicons. Constructicons. Pile driver is a is a is a transformer, is he not? Anyway. He's also a future wrecker, isn't he? And I think he's a future wrecker. Um so anyway, the wrecker uh like scoops up a lot of dirt with this thing and pins Thor to the wall. And Thor is about to blow up, but then he's like, No, I am Thor, and he finds another bout of energy and he pushes the tractor off him and he punches the wrecker. 688 times as hard as he can and the wrecker's like yeah that didn't do anything and now you're tired so then he drops a building on him um and yeah i think that was it but all is not yet lost we hope as we shall see next with see with the next ish but it looks like thor's dead and balder and sif are in norn territory so that's where we leave it yeah a um building dropped on him yeah this was Re- cool wrecker left him buried alive but I will say this is round two. This is story two, I think, of starting and ending in the same place, basically. But it was a cool fight. It does. You're right. Kind of starting into the same place. A little bit of shifting in the background. But they were fighting at the beginning. They're still fighting at the end. Uh-huh. Um, I think that some conversations or some forgetfulness or just some split decisions were made between last issue and this issue. As for what? Well, the record didn't get his power from Loki. Oh, no. But from here on forever, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to – I've heard Wrecker got his power from Loki before. So mm-hmm. I think this is shorthanded in the future. Also, um, he no longer has hand-zapping god blasts. He just has strength no. and an enchanted crowbar. It seems like he's not using it anyway. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I don't never – I never knew him to have that ability to begin with, so – Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's probably easier to just say you got it from Loki because if you say every time he shows up he got it from the Norn Queen everybody's going to be like who's the Norn Queen? Right. I mean in the 60s and 70s the Norn Queen definitely is a thing and definitely becomes mm-hmm. a person but that fades with other writers in the future. He could say he got it because of Loki which is not the same thing but more accurate. 
Well, we could also say that he put on Loki's helmet and then got the power, and so he thinks he got it from Loki. But That's whenever like, I read Baldur's words on page two, it doesn't really go along with that. I think the writer just forgot. Yeah, that's way, that's too many panels <laughs> every time. I love Kirby's art in this. His faces mm-hmm. on their wrecker are good, old-fashioned Kirby ugly face. Mm-hmm. One of the things about Golden Age Kirby art is he hasn't learned shortcuts yet, and his faces are hugely creative and wrinkly, and, you know, they're just, they're cool faces. Remember the wizard? Oh, yeah. I was thinking the 40s, but yeah, the wizard was was a really good example of a really good ugly face. He's never been that cool since. Nope. Um, I like this, like, I like the, um, I kind of joked about it, him being the thing, but that's what I kind of liked about this issue is like Thor, Thor is usually top dog guy and doesn't have a lot of problems and gets to spout pseudo Shakespearean things and beat people up. But in this one, he actually has to dig deep and try and stay in the fight. And even though he's clearly outmatched, he keeps coming back for more. Because that's what makes you a hero, damn it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked all that. That's good stuff. And there's some, like, like page 12, like that that tractor scene, like, kudos to Kirby. That was, like, really, like, uh, looked painful. Scary. It did. Yeah, Thor up against the wall there. He's uh-huh. not having a good time. Getting, getting crushed I, to death. Odin seems to have calmed somewhat since last issue. No longer mm-hmm. wants to kill Thor. Because. Yeah. Which is he? He was saying before, like whatever happens to Thor, so be it. Now he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna let him die. I don't want him to die. But they're yeah. like, uh, but he's dying. He used to say, "What son?" So, mm-hmm. but that's that's just Odin. He seems like he's got this bell curve of personality or something like that. Like, <laughs> like he starts cool and then he gets super angry and hates the world and and you know, yep, gets rid of everybody in his life and then it slowly ebbs back down to. Now, he does say without his mortal power, even without his mortal power, there be none on Midgard that Thor need fear. And I'm like, you have not been looking at Midgard lately. Right. Um, on the last page, Sif and Balder are heading off to see the Norn Queen, which is bringing us closer to a new Asgardian relationship dynamic that I have been mm-hmm. very much looking forward to. Okay. Balder and the Norn Queen hook up. Balder and the Norn Queen. I can't remember why they know about the Norn thing, but I think it's just a guess, right? Um, there was that conversation with Odin's Hall that got brought up. Um, they figure that Loki did something, and they think that Loki is in the Norn forest. Baldur's off to go look for him there. And oh, because cautions they, him. they're not allowed to go to Earth, but can we go, right. to, can we go to the Norn forest? Right. Yeah. So I don't think they're heading off to see the Norn Queen, but I think they're going to run into her. Seems likely since it's called the Norn Forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all in all, thumbs up, I think. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, solid Thor, Thor Kirby action. Oh. The record's pretty great. And there's more, I forgot. There um, is a second story. We have Inhuman Backups now in Thor. It's called Silence or Death. Within the Hidden Kingdom of At- Atalan, Atalon, a lone figure stands, the figure of him who is called Black Bolt. That doesn't seem right. Isn't it he who is called Black Bolt? It's of, of him. Oh, sorry. The figure of him who is called Black Bolt. That's better. Son of Agon. Agon. Egon. Hey, remember that one time you tried to drill a hole in your head? That Hereditary, would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. Ruler of all the Inhumans. Another Marvel masterwork by Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby. Embellished by Joe Sinnott. Lettered by Artie Simex. Sound effects by Foghorn Forbush. More sound effects. Um. So, yeah. Black... Bolt's dad is like, you're old enough now. You're 19. You can come out. Just don't talk. 
which is like, okay. So he comes out um, of his room, I mean, not, you know, some other reason. And he's greeted by all the Inhumans that we know and love, um, including – they're all young because they're 19 and stuff, including a little baby crystal. Like she's like, I don't know, 10, something like that. And she's, she's adorable so, age is what she is. She's adorable age and she's so excited to see her cousin and she gives him a big hug. Everybody's happy and then here comes Maximus. And he's like, oh, yeah, I bet you can't be part of our society. I bet if I shoot you with this ray gun, you'll make noise. No, let me shoot you some more and some more. And Crystal's like, don't do that. You're mean. And he grabs her and he's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm an evil jerk and I want to be king. So I need to torture my brother and prove that he's not allowed to be part of society. And Medusa don't like that. So she beats him up with her hair and Gorgon stomps on him. And Karnak spins him around and tosses him and knocks him out. And everybody's like, you're okay now, right, Black Bolt? And Black Bolt is okay, but he also has this look on his face like it's he's realizing for the first time that he can never speak ever and life's going to suck outside of his room. Next, Triton and the humans. Is If your voice can wreck the city, uh-huh. is a soundproof chamber going to be enough? That was my thought as well. Like, <laughs> like, what's the difference if he's in his room or not? He's going to just blow up whatever if he talks. And also, they've had him in a soundproof chamber for 19 years. That's some crazy stuff right there. All by himself. So no wonder he's like all weird introverted guy. Yeah. 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 I find the whole living alone until you've mastered control of not speaking. Yeah, that's a pretty sad way to grow up. It is. And also, if you're supposed to be the king someday, that's not really great training. It's really not. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these stories you think being king is just like a card they hand you when it's your mm-hmm. turn. But I think in reality, you get like trained to be king. Unless you don't want to, and you have a really mean father, and then you're in a story. Is Agon supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy? Or I mean, he's the I dad, right? So isn't that the eternal question? Is your dad actually a good person? <laughs> that is basically what I think about him. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I feel like between these last two stories, he's not a great guy. Right. But I've never heard him really cast in a villain's role either. He's just this person. I guess I don't know. Like maybe someday reading more in humans will know that his reign was thought upon as good or bad or does nobody ever talk about him? They do explore, especially in some of the more modern and human stories, like in the last 10 years, they do a lot to explore the background. Like there's, whenever I do research on Inhumans, uh, this one series called The Royals keeps getting referenced. So mm. there's a lot of a lot of stuff uh, to explore the, the family background. Because um, we kind of skipped, we kind of skipped because we had a king eight million years ago that the century talked to. Right. And then we skipped and, to this era. And suddenly so, it's, you know, last Tuesday and it's, yeah. Dad's in charge. Anyway. Crystal calls Maximus Uncle Maximus. Mm-hmm. She does not call Black Bolt Uncle Black Bolt, even though they're brothers. So they have the exact same cousin relationship to her. Yeah. Medusa's like, what do you say to your cousin, Crystal? Yeah. So are they cousins or uncle nieces? I don't know. Or maybe oh. they're just like distant enough cousins that doesn't really matter. I don't know. Crystal's related to Medusa? They're sisters. That was news to me, and I think they said that in this issue. I didn't realize that for some reason. I think we've had that since we first met Crystal and Medusa together in the same room. I think they were identified as sisters back then. Okay. I could be wrong. They look a lot alike, so. Put that in my head. They both have weird hair, right? Medusa's hair moves, and Crystal's hair has that weird black stripe. Not yet, though, evidently. No. 
And Maximus has always been crazy. Yeah, because what is the plan? Because if Black Bolt fails, Maximus is dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty dumb. That that reminds me of that scene in a in the first Avengers movie where Iron where uh, Tony Stark is like poking Bruce with a shocker just to see what happens. Right. He's like, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> Chris Evans like, has nothing. It's like has no if, truck with that. If you fail, we're all dead. If he fails this test that you're putting him through. Uh, and my last thought was poor Black Bolt, because I realized that he knows he's not supposed to talk, but like not talking when you're alone and not talking when you're surrounded by people are two very yeah. different things. That's a great point. It's probably way harder. I actually can't not talk when I'm alone, though, too. So I'd have a really hard time being Black Bolt, I think. I love talking to myself. Yeah, that'd be really weird to kill an entire continent because I just had to say something to myself. Anyway. Um, all right. So next up. Two down. Last issue. Last issue. Of the night? No, of this title. <gasps> You're right. This is the last issue of Tales of Suspense 99. Mm-hmm. Okay. Iron Man is on the cover. He gets the big words. Captain America gets the little words, but he also gets issue 100. So, you know, it's okay. At the mercy of the Magia. Remember when he was just like a little, like, plumpy golden armored guy and he'd just <laughs> tool around and sometimes magnetically lift cars and had an antenna stick out of his shoulder. Way. Yeah. They grow up so fast. I know. I miss the old guy. Okay. So Iron Man is catching us up with his thought balloons. Thanks to cousin Morgan betraying me into these, into their hands. I know the Magia is reorganized with the man called Whiplash as its chief executioner. But what, um, he may look like just another costumed kook, but that hyper-powered whip makes him the greatest danger to my armor since I face the Melter. But what good does that do if I myself am now to become his victim? Um, I won't be beaten yet. Not when the world's most notorious crime ring is under new leadership, launching deadly new plans. And Whiplash is standing there with his whip. What now, Iron Man? Now that you've exhausted your bag of transistorized tricks, now that you are hopelessly, helplessly trapped before the steel-biting fury of my unrelenting weapon, now that you know there will be no un- there will be no relenting, no mercy from Whiplash. So Stan Lee superlatively supervises an Archie Goodwin and Gene Cole and Colossal Collaboration, inked by Johnny Craig, lettered by Artie Simic. There. Now that you know who's responsible for all this, since it's shattering suspense, flip the page, Frantic One, because we can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And what happens next is Iron Man puts his backup special <laughs> reserve power into his repulsors. And knocks down Whiplash before he passes out from the loss of energy in his suit. Remember how I just said we've come a long way? Never mind. <laughs> Jasper Sitwell. Sitwell? Sitwell. Trails Morgan Stark um, away from Tony Stark's factory towards, theoretically, wherever Iron Man is. But he loses him. Until Nick Fury calls saying he's at Kennedy Airport being escorted by the Magia. So Sitwell says some stuff that's annoyingly inspirational and fury gets annoyed and he signs off sidwell speeds down the highway and uh, that attracts a cop's attention who um drives after him but sidwell doesn't stop he just keeps on driving right onto the tarmac to stop morgan stark from boarding the plane the cop catches up and doesn't even yell at sidwell he just arrests the magia men instead and sidwell finds out that tony stark was taken to a magia boat uh, which is a gambling ship 
which is also parked just outside the U.S. border in international waters. Sidwell says, to hell with jurisdiction anyway, and boards the boat. Meanwhile, Whiplash wakes up before Iron Man does and just watches him sleep for a second. He's like, oh, Iron Man. This is about to start flaying him again when the mysterious Big M hails and say, no, we're, um, we're pretty sure he's dead, so we're going to come in. Come in the room. They lay Iron Man out on a magnetized table. Haha, <laughs> he's made of metal. It's magnetized. Clever. And um, they, uh, let's see, what are they doing here? They're searching his suit. And they find that it's booby-trapped against tampering. So they decide, okay, well, instead, we're going to pull a gold finger and use a laser beam on him. They start slicing into his helmet mm-hmm. when the ship is attacked out of nowhere by, guess who? By AIM! That's right, AIM is here! A small group of AIM who managed to get away from Captain America's recent skirmish with them back in, it tells us, issues 92, 93, and 94. Um, anyways, so the boat's taking on water, and so the big, uh, the shadowy big M person starts to escape, but Iron Man is still trapped on the table, because remember, it's magnetized, magnets work in water, um, and his final chapter in Tales of Suspense comes to a close. Mm. Next the torrent without the torment within. This was fun. I like this was fun. very fun. Um, like lots going on, which, but in like a good, fun, chaotic way, kind of like all these different parties coming together. AIM seems a little out of nowhere to me. Like it just adding to the drama for possibly mm-hmm. a little reason. If they have a reason to be here that we figure out later, then that's fine. But right now it just kind of feels random. It did feel random, but I sort of liked it because it fit with the energy of the rest of the story in a way. Like, what more could go wrong? Oh, those mm-hmm. guys that escaped Cap's thing are coming across the boat. Let's just add another player to this horrible party. They probably don't have Modok with them because Modok was killed. No, in the last they story. didn't like Modok. They they threw Cap at Modok to get away. That's from right. Um, Sitwell continues his characteristic <sighs> of being doggedly optimistic about everything. And really good at fighting and like the golden boy of shield. And the more I read about Sitwell, the more I just do not understand why they use Sitwell in the MCU the way they did. <laughs> like, right. Why did they, why did you guys do that to poor Sitwell? You know, you know what? That just random thought. You know why Nick Fury likes Jasper Sitwell so much? Huh? Cause he looks like junior Juniper. There you go. They should say that at some point. That'd be really cool. They totally should. So how did Sitwell not get immediately shot or at least arrested? I'm pretty sure police don't like it when you won't pull over for them. Yeah, but I think it's only more of a new thing that they get to kill you if you don't do what they say. Like, that used to be a thing. Mm. They used to, like, like, you watch Orphan Black, and, like, one of the first things the character has to do is answer for drawing her weapon. Mm. Yeah. And much less firing at an unarmed person. Yeah. Uh, police accountability, y'all. So, um, Big M continues to be a secret. Big M? Oh, yeah, he does. And it's kind of like, I forgot that I'm supposed to know. Or It's like that, it reminds me of that other one. Who do we just do with Daredevil? Uh, Mass Marauder? Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of keep forgetting that I'm supposed to know not know who these people are. I don't know who he is, but I, I haven't really thought about it either. Right, they're not really dangling it in front of you. They just keep referencing no. Like it, what, who could it, unless it's happy, I don't know who it could be. That would be a big shocker for me. Right. But I could be wrong. We'll find out kids. Maybe. I thought the magnetic table 
was pretty clever and not Great only is a good plot device, but also helps with the cliffhanger dramatically at the end. Yeah. I like the idea that, um, they don't want to just kill him. They want to get the secrets of his armor. That's pretty smart. I like that. He's stuck on the table. I like that. There's a big giant laser beam shooting into his forehead and he looks scared in a way that only Gene Colan can draw a face or an expressionless mask to look scared. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all very intense and dramatic and cool. And it makes for a good cover too. And uh, did you like my Goldfinger reference? Yes, absolutely. It's totally Goldfinger. Yeah. But that was our final Iron Man chapter in Tales of Suspense. I know. I kind of want to jump back to the first Iron Man now and just flip through it real fast. But Maybe just the first one. That, not, was, the, that was the gray one when he uh, killed right. an entire village. Not the run. whole run. We, we've had some not great Iron Man. Okay. Well, maybe we should do an essential Iron Man. You know, I'm cooking, of course, by this point, it's probably long out, but I'm sitting on a Thor that is all ready to go. We just need to do the intro and outro. So we should do that at some point. <laughs> oh, I thought Iron Man was next. I was being trying to be clever. I don't know why. I thought oh, that. no, 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 you're right. We already did Thor. Sorry. Yeah, we, we did, Thor. did do Thor. Yeah, Iron Man is next. We do need, uh, it's ready to go. I just need to do all the right, intro and outro. great. So there we go. Good timing. Yeah. All right. So Captain America, Living Legend of World War II, the man who lived twice. Answering an urgent call from the mysterious Black Panther, Cap speeds to the darkest Africa, only to find himself and his warrior chieftain ally captured by a man who should be dead. Black Panther and Captain America are climbing out of this pit on this rope, and Black Panther says, We must escape. Zemo's orbiting death ray must never be unleashed upon the earth below. Captain America's thinking it can't be. It can't really be Zemo who's captured us. With my own eyes, I saw him die beneath that rock splide. Splide? Slide. Many months ago. And you saw it too, Tiger. If you were reading Avengers 15, as you should have been. Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby created it. Sid Shores and Artie Simic inked and lettered it. What more can a true Marvelite ask? So Captain Black Panther managed to climb out of the pit to face Zemo and his goons. There's a lot of posturing from everyone involved. Cab and Panther both beat up a lot of white and violet henchmen until one of them gets the heroes with a hypno-light missile that majorly stuns them. Meanwhile, not too far away from our scene of battle, Agent 13 is still disguised as Irma Krul, and she's being escorted by others of Zemo's henchmen. They get a signal that the solar ray is about to hit their area. So they dive into a very conveniently placed bunker. Um, just before this like totally random space laser slices through the land above them, right where they were standing. Like the silent blazing sword is what they say in the dialogue. Um what is this space laser? We don't know. Uh, but it doesn't matter because we go back to where Captain Panther are waking up in Zemo's throne room. Cap tries to rush Zemo, but something about the Hypnolite missile from earlier has disoriented him. So he slows to a stop just before landing a punch on Zemo's very punchable hooded face. Um, so Zemo punches Captain America instead. There's some similar stuff with Black Panther... Uh, the heroes decide that maybe it's better they just stand there and watch until they can get their strength back and their minds mm-hmm. back. So Zemo takes the opportunity to bring up his PowerPoint slide presentation all about his orbiting death ray that takes sunlight 
and refocuses it into a gigantic deadly laser beam. Oh my gosh. He's going to use that on any nation that defies him. He can hit cities, missiles, anything he wants. He's just waiting on his faithful agent, Irma Krul, to bring him a list of U.S. nuclear base targets. So now we know how the two stories fit. The men decide now's their moment, but they're wrong because they're easily overpowered again by the never-ending supply of henchmen. One of them blasts, uh, one of the heroes um, gets blasted with a paralyzer pistol. So they're down once again, just as the, uh, uh, I guess, Ursatz, Irma Krul comes in. For no apparent reason, Zemo greets Krul by handing her a gun and telling her to prove her loyalty by killing the heroes on the ground in front of her. Um, so the disguised Agent 13 knows now what she must do. She must use her gift of invention to save her. No, she, um, she basically puts, points the gun at Captain America as Captain America's final chapter until mm-hmm. the suspense closes. Next, mm-hmm. the fatal ending. And I really can't remember how this story ends, even though I totally remember Cap 100 opening with this scenario. But I don't mm-hmm. know how he gets out of it. So I'm kind of glad I have a bad memory because I'm curious. But she jumps up and kisses her. Turns out Zemo's a robot and she's an alien. I, mean, I don't know. I just made all that up. I have no idea. This was fun. I liked it. Uh, yes. I liked it. It takes, you know, for every Black Panther and Captain America, it takes 68 guards to keep them <laughs> And when they kill you. all 68 of them, there are 68 more of the next scene. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it was fun. I like like page 10 in particular, like where there, there's just two of them trying to get closer to the Zemo and there's 500 guys on them and it's not working. That's great. Okay, let's talk about death lasers. Okay. It's Icarus, right? So like whoever wrote Die Another Day obviously read this story. Right. And is it is it just always on? I uh, I assumed it's like... You know, doesn't like take satellites or something, or I don't know how it works. How long has it been on? Is it always like, on, or does he turn it on and off? I don't know. Well, it was just they're like, oh no, it's about to hit us because it's just oh, randomly going across the, the yeah the landscape of Brazil. How much Brazil has been de- devastated by this laser? Or or is Zemo just like being very irresponsible about it and not caring where his henchmen are? Or did he just not turn off the light when he left the room? I guess. Did he leave his laser on? Yeah. And why does he have to start with Brazil if you have a sun laser that can shoot anywhere? Well, they're in Brazil. Why uh-huh. he has it aimed at home, I don't know. But that's what I mean. Like, if I was in Brazil and I was going to test out my new sun laser, it wouldn't be pointed at Brazil. No. I'd do wherever the opposite of Brazil is. I said it last time. I really, really, really like how the Agent 13 plot has dovetailed so smoothly with the Captain mm-hmm. America plot. I really thought when she was dressing up as the random person that -hmm. those were going to go separate directions or she was just going to disappear and go do something while Captain America does his thing. No. Yeah. They've been giving her pretty good amount of a story time and, and she's kind of coming into the same story in a whole different direction. And she's had a good showing doing it too, which has been Mm -hmm, nice. mm -hmm. She got to do a lot of fighting last issue and this issue, you know, I like her thought bubbles about how, like, as much as I love cap, I can't let millions of people die just because I don't want to shoot him in the head. It's like, that's a good good agent there. Good thinking. Do you know what word was said in this comic that we have not heard said in a Captain America comic before this? No. Baron. Oh, they called him a Baron, finally. Irma Cruel, Agent 13, walks in 
and calls him Baron Zemo. And nobody else had. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. And like, he laughs off, I'm not going to be Baron anymore, I'm going to be Emperor. It almost feels like the title was created just for the Emperor line. Um, yeah, as a joke, as a way to right. have a joke. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, this isn't Zemo. Without revealing exactly what's going on here, would the Baron thing even be accurate? Because it's not him. Is it obviously not Zemo? I don't know. I can't well, remember, Z- honestly. Z- you can't remember? Okay, Zemo's dead. Well, but lots of people die in comics. It doesn't mean he's dead. Okay. But okay. he probably it's probably a robot or something. I don't know. The other thing I was wondering is, does Zemo's bear any title still count if he's in exile from a no longer Nazi Germany under new government? I don't even know what a baron is. So other than a bad person, oh. all barons are bad people, right? That's just my well, assumption. There's this baron and there's the red baron, and I haven't really had many other barons. Baron blood, baron right? strucker. Wow. I think it's a foreign thing, like probably racist or something. Like I bet there's probably nice barons. I think a baron is just like a landowner or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it's just a random nobility title. Nothing too large, but you own some land, so let's give you a title. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, European countries denotes an aristocrat who ranks higher than a lord or knight, but lower than a count. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they so, made it, they had to make up a rank. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it sounds villainous, so they use it all the time. And it's usually because it's the characters from, you know, some communist country or something. So Tales of Suspense ends. I didn't have- feel as uh, sad about, like, I kind of felt a little sad, like, oh, Iron Man. You're over in Tales of Suspense, but I didn't feel that way with Cap, maybe because he hasn't been in this as long. Maybe also because you're, like, you're familiar with the Cap shape, like so you've been kind of like looking forward to Cap 100. That's true. Even though Iron Man also continues, I do know very little about that. Right. So it's like a big transition point for both of them. We just don't know Iron yeah. Man's story very much. we just come a long way with Iron Man because he definitely started out a lot different than he is now, at the least one, physically. Yeah. The one thing that as Tales of Suspense comes to a close – uh-huh. That I wish we had had something. They didn't even mention Tales of the Watcher. They didn't. And he's not in it or anything. No. It's a good thing he's in next issue. He is in the next issue we're going to cover. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no Roger, but Uatu's in it. Um, are we ready to move on then? Fantastic Four number 72? I'm ready if you are. Where soars the Silver Surfer? He's even on the cover. Wow, I kind of didn't notice that before because he's all red. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, where soars the Silver Surfer, the latest, the greatest, Stanley Manley and Jack King Kirby, powerhouse presentation, inked by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Sam Rosen, acclaimed by culture lovers everywhere. Crystal, Thing, and Johnny are all like, oh, they quit the team. Because remember last issue, Reed quit the team for him and his unconscious wife. And then the caption says, don't worry, Johnny, your problems will soon be solved. And wait till you see how, because they don't know how to continue. Um, and they're like kind of going back and forth, complaining about what they should do and not do. And all of a sudden, Uatu's in the in the living room. And he's like, some bad is going to happen, yo. I'm not supposed to interfere, but let me interfere. Um, what's bad is happening is one, Reed and Sue are on a train to, you know, vacation, regular civilization. Sue's kind of like, I'm not sure we should be doing this. And Reed's like, I don't care. I'm putting my foot down. And she's like, yes, dear. Um, Silver Surfer has decided the earth is sucky. He's been on it. He's been stuck on it long enough. Everywhere he looks, everybody's sucky or trying to punch him. Even when he's trying to be nice, giant green monsters punch him. So he's just going to kill everybody, I guess. So he just goes around and he's like setting things on fire and creating tidal waves and lifting pyramids. Um 
beautiful splash pages. I think he decides, I can't remember where he's going to go, like to go, oh, he's going to go to the heart of New York maybe. And he just like goes straight there, even if that means going through buildings and stuff like that. Um, anyway, so yeah, that 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 causes um, the Fantastic Four to pay attention, or the Fantastic Two and a Half at this point. Johnny goes out there and try and fights him. It's ridiculous. He ends up getting uh, enveloped in some sort of blinding, dazzling cosmic thing. But while that's happening, the thing gets on his pogo flying thing and manages to get him in a bear hug. But even the thing's muscles aren't as strong as the Silver Surfer's muscles, and he double punches the thing in the face. And, um, you know, they get into a fist fight. It doesn't really work. Um, Uatu, because he doesn't want to interfere, he goes to find Reed Richard and Sue Storm's train, and he cosmically stops it, and he tells them that the Silver Surfer has gone crazy. And even though I don't want to interfere, you need to go stop them. So I'm going to teleport Reed Richards to New York, and they leave Sue behind because um, she's pregnant. I think this is supposed to be Thunderbolt Ross. If not, it's another general who's grumpy with white mustache. But I think Thunderbolt Ross is ordered to shoot a sonic shark against the Silver Surfer. So they do that. That's the thing that happens in this. Um, and while um, – um, 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 let's see what happens. Reed shows up. He, he recons with the unconscious uh, Johnny. They go back home. They pick up Thing, and they go flying after the Silver Surfer. And then for some reason, they decide the Sonic Shark is worse than the Silver Surfer trying to destroy the world. So they try and stop the Sonic Shark from hitting the Silver Surfer. It doesn't work. It starts, the Sonic Shark starts like draining the Surfer, which seems like a good idea. But they don't like that. I can't figure out why exactly. So they uh, have thing like punch the missile and redirect it and then the silver surfer's like hey thanks that thing was gonna kill me but you guys saved my life i guess i guess earth is okay after all bye and then that's it except for next issue sensational guests spidey thor and daredevil so i guess reed didn't actually quit but he also didn't do anything and i don't understand this story and I don't like Silver Surfer being mean. No, I also don't like Silver Surfer's logic. Like, the world is too violent, so to make world peace, I'm going to attack everybody. And he's still going to be stuck on the planet. So what's he going to do? Just, like, lay in a ruin? I don't know. That seemed yeah. harsh. It seemed very harsh for him. He's usually more enlightened than that. Um, Crystal is upset at the beginning because um, the guys are off doing things and she has no woman to talk to. And since that's really the only thing she's been allowed to do so far, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, don't help them with the Silver Surfer or anything. You are the most powerful person in this book right now, so don't go help. Right. That's like if Wanda was in the Avengers just complaining about not being able to go shopping and then never doing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Watcher says he came by means of a dimension warp, but we all know he can just transmit himself anywhere and he turns into a lightning bolt just with a thought. Isn't that Mm -hmm. Tales of the Watcher series? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he just, he's not even trying to mask his non-interference at this point. Like, it's kind of yeah. obnoxious. Yeah. Though I am pledged never to meddle in the affairs of other planets, I'm totally going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like, I think pretty much page six. Is it five or six? Page five, Silver Surfer is killing people. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that they all are all just smiles and let him fly away in the end is just very unsatisfying. <laughs> I mean, throwing those big ships through waves, that's going to destroy the ships. 
yeah. these trains. Creating like plants and stuff that attack humans and Lifting the pyramids out of the ground is the only thing that's not directly deadly. No, but that is ruining nature's wonders. Or, or man's not wonders. It's Sorry, man. The natural – what is it? Man, the eighth wonders the, of the world or something yeah, like that? Yeah, the wonders of yeah, the yeah. world, yeah. But they're not naturally right. Man-made wonders of the world. Okay, so General Notross. Is it um, supposed to be him or not? It looks like him. No, this is General Fredericks. Oh. We, we've seen him a handful of times. And from what I can gather, continuity just plasters the same name on all of the white mustache generals who aren't Ross. Why can't it just be Ross? Would that be easier? I think it would be easier. Maybe it was even intended by Kirby to be Ross. But so way back in issue three uh -huh. against the Miracle Man's giant illusion monster, he uh -huh. was there. Uh, he took the army against him. He was at the White House when the Vanisher faced off with the X-Men. Uh, he oh. led the army in the aftermath of their fight with the Sentinels whenever they're like all mm. cleaning up the mess and everything. And the last time we saw him was when Count Nefaria had the dome over the Capitol with the X-Men inside. No one could get in or out. Okay. So he's around every now and then. It'd be funny if they were in the same issue together and it, they had like this awkward glance at each other or something. If they kissed, their mustache was getting in the way. <laughs> if you do like General Fredericks, I am sorry to tell you, he is not going to be around again until X-Men 94, the Ooh, relaunch. Boy. So goodbye, wow. Fredericks. Wow. Well, I feel like he successfully was going to stop the Silver Surfer had the Fantastic Four not gotten his way. Mm-hmm. And I still don't understand what their strategy was exactly. Like, what is wrong with it killing this horrible person who's ruining the world? So I learned something about pogo planes today. Okay. So we get to the end of the issue, and they take the pogo plane, and there's that bizarre, bizarre drawing on page 17 of the pogo plane flying vertically. Mm -hmm. Like, it's oriented vertically vertically. Nose, nose cone towards the sky as it's moving mm -hmm. laterally through the air. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not how flying works. Mm -hmm. So I looked up pogo planes. Is um, that how flying works? Okay, so pogo planes were actually never really a thing. They oh. were experimental. They were a way of doing new flight. And there is this one famous instance of the pogo planes taking off and being tested, but they never went past the experimental phase. And so here's what a pogo plane is. On the front of the plane is a double propeller, two propellers going opposite directions to pull the plane forward. But um, you got to have both of them so the plane itself doesn't like turn against the propeller, kind of like a helicopter has two propellers on it. Anyways, mm. so it pulls the plane up into the air. It's oriented nose up. The propellers pull the plane up into the air. And then they use their wing controls to sort of reorient as they gain speed and the propellers are pulling them forward like a prop plane. Mm -hmm. um, and then whenever they want to land, they slow down their propellers. The back of the plane dips down again and they land. They can hover vertically in the air. They can mm. move around vertically in the air. It's just when they go up to speed, just the way physics works, they level out. Okay. Um, so this is an accurate description of a pogo plane. That's but cool. I never had ever realized, ever since I first heard about pogo plane when I was six years old, reading Amazing Spider-Man 1, and Spider-Man mentions their pogo plane, I never realized they weren't really that much of a thing. Only a read prototype, I guess. Only a read prototype. Uh, they were, whenever the comic started in 1961, and they brought in the pogo plane in issue three, 
they'd already mm-hmm. been phased out for five years. Oh, okay. So kind of like, you know, kind of like the, um, the wingsuit in strange tales, uh-huh. like an old technology that wasn't really around anymore, but looks really cool. And we'll be around again. Yes. We'll be around again. Cause wingsuits are now cool again. Um, so yeah, I forgot in the end, Silver Surfer's like, "Oh, that missile drained most of my cosmic power, so now I'm not insane anymore." Thanks. And they're like, "Hey, you sure learned things the hard way, killing four thousand million people? <laughs> That's okay." Mm-hmm. And by the way, mankind is not a loss. We're not hopeless. It's like, how do they even know? That's why he was doing it. They, he didn't tell them that. He was talking no, to himself. Didn't. So don't you think the response should really be, "Why were you doing that?" He did say he's no longer mad enough to feel that one being alone could bring sanity to the human race. Oh. So maybe Reed's making some very yeah. convenient conclusions from that. Yeah. I think he got off way too light. He really did. There should be some some re- retribution for this. He should be not in the raft be. right now. Throw him in the vault. They I do lots yet. of pop culture references. Mm-hmm. And there's a P- Billy Grant. I don't do it. I explain them when they do it. There's a Billy Graham reference at the end. If you are not... From like the 90s or earlier, and you're not from evangelical Christianity, you yeah. might not know what a Billy Graham is. Um, but he, like in the 50s and 60s, was a big, like in the name of you know, evangelical Christianity, kind of kind of started evangelical Christianity, but he mm. like did a lot of youth rallies and trying to get kids to live right. And he had some positive impacts on the world, he was part of the civil rights movement in some you know, minor ways. He also made some missteps and mm. um, Dr. King disapproved of some of his choices. But anyways, that's who Billy Graham is. If you were reading this, not knowing. All right. All right. One more. One more. Once more unto the blind. Daredevil 37. Yes. Flipping over to it. Okay. Don't look now, but it's Dr. Doom. Daredevil can't look. Anyway. <laughs> lying weak and weary as he pondered (laughs) weak and weary anyway on the the subway tracks after having finally defeated the evil trapster our hero suddenly finds another figure approaching from out of the shadows the figure of an old and awesome arch enemy dr doom is daredevil's arch enemy or he's just just he's just a really cool enemy that's why he's arch i don't know he punches daredevil in the face silence Let's see my Fantastic Four cartoon Doctor Doom voice. You will not speak until I permit it, Doctor Doom. He he has a really weird voice in that cartoon. Um, so Daredevil gets punched. He's like, how? The strongest foe of all. When I'm at my weakest, what chance do I have? Let's just pause long enough to award a vote of thanks to Stan the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon for creating this contemporary classic. And to John Tartaglioni, embellisher and Artie Simic letterer. And now it's action time. So Daredevil and Dr. Doom are on these train tracks because Daredevil last issue, he was so weary from fighting the trapster. He like woke up on subway tracks. I don't even think he knew how he got there. And then suddenly Dr. Doom is standing there over him and is now fighting him. And it's all confusing. So this crowd gathers on the nearby platform and they're like cheering on Doc, uh, Daredevil and booing, hissing Dr. Doom. <laughs> That'd be really so funny. So Dr. Doom's like, Dr. Doom's like, stop, stop cheering for my adversary. And he shoots a random energy gun um, to project a glass wall. And he just picks up Daredevil over his shoulder and carries him off. 
Uh, he puts Daredevil in the back of his car because there's a car with a driver waiting. Um, they drive to the Latvian embassy because, of course, Dr. Doom has um, diplomatic status. Um, Daredevil starts to wake up in the back of the car. He tries to resist everything that's going on, but the, there are a couple of goons back there who fight him back. Um, managed to hold him down long enough for them to get to the, uh, the embassy. And I was like, wow, nice place you got here. Lots of space. And turns out this embassy building has a dungeon. Dr. Dim throws Daredevil, Daredevil in the dungeon and the dungeon has a secret door. So Daredevil finds the secret door, opens it up, goes through a tunnel. Now, before you can wonder if Dr. Doom knew that his embassy had a secret tunnel leading out of the dungeon, we see that Doom is spying on Daredevil as he does all these things. So he watches Daredevil exit the tunnel to this lavishly appointed sitting room. It's like, it's very much like the living room in Dark Shadows. Um, uh, so Daredevil's like, huh, this is a crazy place. Dr. Doom throws a lever and suddenly the room whirls and turns upside down. Um, and then all of a sudden we're in Doom's control room. Doom explains his backstory. Uh, what's this been with him and Galactus? Oh yeah. Cause he had, yeah, he had the silver surfer's power mm-hmm. and he's like, cause, oh, that's right. Cause the last time we saw Dr. Doom, we thought he died. So mm-hmm. he's explaining to us and to Daredevil how he didn't die. Um, he had Silver Surfer's power. He tried to leave. Galactus stopped him from leaving. Like, personally, he was right there. Said, go home. Um, and so now we are inside Dr. Doom's control room. Uh, Doom has this hypnosis ray. But since Daredevil's blind, the hypnosis makes him really blind. No, no, that's not it. Since mm-hmm. he's blind, the hypnosis doesn't work. Uh, so Dr. Doom lures Daredevil into a plexiglass container. He also gets into a plexiglass container. These are very much like the transporter tubes from Yandroth's lair. So I don't know if they're all selling them at the same shop or what. And then Dr. Doom and Daredevil swap minds. What? Like it's the Fantastic Four 10 all over again. Oh no. Next, the living prison. It's the sinister Daredevil. It's the sinister Daredevil, the diabolical Dr. Daredevil. Or is it superior Daredevil? I can't remember what the <gasps> adjective is. Superior Daredevil. I see what you're going for there. It is superior. Yep. Okay. Uh, this was fun. I had no idea why Dr. Doom existed last issue. I was very curious. Evidently, he f- specifically came looking for Daredevil. Yes. Like he heard about his fight with Trapster and uh-huh. like followed them. Thank God, because if he was just walking down the railroad tracks for no reason, that would have bummed me out. I'm glad it was on purpose. Are you judging his Saturday activities? I just was – I it's like – it's one of those cliffhangers where you go, this could go well or be really dumb. And it went well. <laughs> it went pretty well. It. Yeah, I it was is, happy with it. It's an unexpected pairing. I don't really expect Dr. Doom and Daredevil. And I was wondering how much of it was inspired by somebody randomly remembering that Daredevil helped the, Fant- helped the Fantastic Four against Dr. Doom back in the day. Um, I guess Dr. Doom remembered. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that Daredevil has zero chance of beating him. That made me really happy. Dr. Doom is all over Daredevil. I mean, I'm not into. I'm not one of the like, oh, this guy could beat that guy kind of guys. But sometimes I like a little a – little, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Consistency. So if Daredevil had somehow like hurt Dr. Doom, that would have bothered me, but he can't. If it, if it takes the entire Fantastic Four or Susan Storm on a really good day to beat Dr. Doom, you would think that Daredevil would like 
struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And I was glad for that. Like at no point did doctor was Dr. Doom at risk. Really? When he pulls out the gun against the crowd, mm. I totally mm. expected him to start mowing people down. Like, mm. especially that second panel with the guy recoiling from the blast. Um, I'm sure it would have just been stun blasts, but comics code storytelling aside, I would not have put it past Dr. Doom to just kill everyone on the platform because they booed and hissed totally. him and cheered for Daredevil. This scene reminds me of that scene in the first Spider-Man movie where like Green Goblin's about to kill Spider-Man and everybody on the bridge starts throwing cans at him and stuff. Yes. That's, that's, you can't take, you can't do that to Spider-Man. He's one of us, you know? He's and our like, Spider-Man. I like it because, uh, you know, Marvel, everybody, New York is the superhero capital of the world in the Marvel Universe. And I kind of like that people take, like, ownership of their superheroes. And particularly Daredevil is one of those kind of characters who, you know, has his little burrow and probably his fans and support. So this was a cool scene. I liked it. Um, Daredevil is a good comics nerd. And he asks the important continuity questions. Like, how about, are you alive? Yeah. Yeah. He understands that you have to answer these questions, which... I feel like it becomes less of a thing as time goes on. But right now, usually they're very concerned with how even the villain characters get from one story to the next. I feel like they're particularly concerned with Dr. Doom. And like, I think we've 100% of the time had an explanation as to how he survived the last thing that he went went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love it if that was just true forever. Like if Dr. Doom was the one character in the Marvel Universe that always had an explanation. That's the why. Unbroken. <laughs> yeah. Un- unbroken streak of how am I here? That would be awesome. Well, what's fun is there's a conversation with Stan Lee once talking about killing bad guys. He's like, we kill Dr. Doom every single time. Yeah. Like the Fantastic Four murder Dr. Doom or he kills himself with his own, you know. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't die. He comes back in the next, next He's time. He's had some doozies. Like he doesn't just get arrested like other people. He ends up stuck in space or blows up on a cosmic board it's like yeah gets shrunk till he like you know is non-existent i just watched the cartoon version of that the micro world of dr doom mm-hmm. no ant-man in that one oh sadly. bummer that's weird well they didn't have a license probably right um i have a question for you have you Uh-oh. have you been in many embassies i have been in zero embassies Okay, same. I've never been in an embassy, so I I don't know. Maybe embassies do have dungeons. I'm also still unsure how the whole diplomatic immunity thing works. I feel like movies and TV and comics are not correct about certain things. I think like, the assumption is that you're not going to come to America and break lots of laws. Yeah, but I feel like if they had a limousine that blew up roads and stuff, that someone would say something. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't just be, oh, well, he's the king of Wakanda or whatever. Guess we just have to take I it. I do think that the whole – this know. embassy is technically somebody else's – I didn't mean to contact over you there. Sorry. Um, I think if you're in an embassy, you're considered on somebody else's soil. So I think that part might be true that if you get behind your gates, you're yeah. okay. So who installed the secret room that magically shrinks and spins upside down and stuff? Because this is, this is not his place. But it is, I guess. But it is. Maybe he had it installed. I don't know. It's it's like Galaxy Quest. Why does this room exist? That was kind of not to slam on uh, not to slam on all Gene Colan because he's amazing and stuff. But that was a little a little bit of a letdown artistically. This whole room mm-hmm. business, like it wasn't that interesting. It feels like page filler. It kind of did, especially the parts where it's supposed to be upside down and stuff. Like that was all just like 
colored backgrounds and him falling a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like that was no Mysterio. Mysterio would have been a lot more interesting. That was no Ditko. And there's no narrative connection with how he gets from that random room to Dr. Doom's control room. Mm -hmm. Like at the beginning of the flashback, he's being talked to on a monitor. And at the end of the flashback, he's in the same room. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of flashbacks, I did make a mistake in my synopsis. Galactus is not here personally. He has sent his astral image because Galactus has an astral image. I wasn't sure if that's what they were, if he was being literal or if that's just a figurative representation of Galactus not permitting Silver Surfer to leave Earth. Well, then that's my other question. If Doom had actually been the Silver Surfer, what would Galactus have done? I don't, I get the feeling that Galactus's astral image doesn't keep showing up at Earth whenever the Silver Surfer throws himself against the barrier and tries to leave. Yeah. So I don't know. I think they overcomplicated it. It should have just been him hitting the barrier and falling and somehow surviving. That would have been easier. Uh, I made a joke about it in the synopsis. Daredevil's like, he doesn't suspect that I'm blind, so the hypnosis ray can't affect me. And I'm like, don't be so sure, Daredevil, because recently being blind made you blind. (laughs) Sometimes these things work. (laughs) Yeah. And that's my question for next issue, because I don't know the answer right now. But I'm asking, is... Dr. Doom and Daredevil's body going to be blind with super senses? And is Daredevil going to be able to see in Dr. Doom's body? And if the answer is yes, are they both going to trip? Well, Dr. Doom is looking at his hands. And he looks like he's tripping. He says, my hands are encased in metal gloves. My head is enclosed in armored mask. So he can see his hands. Daredevil does not, you know, Doom in Daredevil's body does not freak out and say, oh my gosh, I'm blind, but I bet you that might no. be the first panel of next issue. I sure hope so, because otherwise it makes no sense, right? It does. Make, it's a physical but element if you're in his body. If that does happen, that means Doom is the first person ever to know that Daredevil has a thing. That's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Unless he loses his memory in the end or something. I hope not. Those yeah. are always annoying. Superman leaves the guy on the cliff and says, I'll deal with you later. And then the guy dies because he tries to climb down the cliff and he knew Superman's identity. So he had to die. That's just how it is. Do you think like just before this story started, Doom was just kind of sitting around thinking, hmm, remember that time I swapped brains with Reed? (laughs) What if I could try that again with better luck? I don't know. I don't know why he thinks like Daredevil is the perfect candidate to, to, uh, I guess he is really because who else has the FF really interacted with? I mean, Daredevil is pretty cool. Mm hmm. And he was just in the Fantastic Four building. I don't know if that was part of this is on purpose and that's going to come back later. Like, hey, it's Daredevil again. Are you going to save me from another bomb? So glad to see you. Well, the next issue box does say that Doom is going to go after the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And I just, I feel like, I feel like having the Daredevil Fantastic Four Doctor Doom connection back in that Frightful Four story where they lost their powers. Uh huh. I feel like that was part of the genesis of this story. Sure. Well, that's the reason he picked him, right? I don't know. But that's our five. That's our five. And it's not the end of the month, so I guess that's it. Next month, we will get so close to the end of the month. Like, so close we can taste it. Tales to Astonish 101 is the first of your homework assignments. It's the last issue of Tales to Astonish. The Avengers 49 is the last issue of the... No, it's not. The X-Men 41 is not the last issue of that, although one might wish. Marvel Superheroes 13 is the last issue of Captain Marvel in that title. And Amazing Spider-Man 58. I can't keep the joke going. Um, so read those five issues for next time. Where can they find us? Wait, we've only got we've only talked about one Captain Marvel story so far, right? Mm-hmm. And he's only got two? Then he gets his own series. Okay, great. 
was going to say that was a very abrupt emptying. I'm not ready for it yet. Okay, where can <laughs> they find us? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. There you will find that Captain Marvel story we have covered, as well as all the other stories we have covered. You'll also find links to our social media on Facebook, on Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter, my new mission in life. Get a thousand followers. Help make that happen. Um, it's the little littlest thing you can do. It's really easy. Just do it. You don't even have to interact. Just do it and walk away. Um, leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, on the site, you'll find a link for that too. Or you can just write directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. I am at John Reads Comics, no H in John Reads or Comics. And he is at Kaiser the Great, no H in Kaiser. Yes, H in the, no H in Great. And um, we are there talking about comics and uh, occasionally other things. So go follow us and be our friends. Talk to us. Tell mm-hmm. us how much you like the show. Um, and we will be back next week. Oh, also on the website, on the makearsmarvel.com website, is the uh, tip jar for the uh, with the PayPal link. So if you want to show your appreciation or support the show financially, you can do so by clicking PayPal. Uh, we do not expect that you do so. You can perfectly enjoy the show with no financial contributions. However, they're always appreciated. And be here next week for almost the end of 1967. And until then, or until Dr. Doom loses his throne to a clone, make ours marvel. marvel.